0: Our Tea with So-and-so series is about cool people you've never heard of. For this episode, you'll meet a documentarist, artist, activist named Michael Sheridan.
1: The reason that
0: we know each other is just this serendipitous accident that does also have to do with love.
1: Yes, it Uh, is so true. Ta-da!
0: One lady's chapter closes, another man's opens. like two stray lines, our lives intersected at a development agency called Oxfam America. Go ahead, Google, Google Google it. Oxfam does community development and relief work all over the globe in a thoughtful and lasting way. The opposite of just dropping off some pallets of government subsidized wheat. This feels particularly important now as disaster whiplash is even more popular. A few years prior, the art ranger herself met her now spouse on a cross-country bike ride fundraising for Oxfam, which morphed into a 9-to-5 job as an administrative assistant, learning what an NGO was, having a union, colleagues with origins from all over the globe, and even our marvelous supervisor Anuradha, dead serious but with a fantastic sense of humor, was not enough to keep our mind engaged while using a
1: filing cabinet. cabinet.
0: Before trekking off to the West Coast, we briefly met her new assistant, Michael, to whom she eventually got married. And we're most definitely not the only two couples with this Oxfam common denominator.
1: I got very, very lucky that while at Oxfam, um i got to learn how to do documentary filmmaking because one of our colleagues the press director diana freed said hey i want to try and create a documentary uh, production unit and will you help i had no background in film at all i had a background in theater in fact i was heading out the door to go back work in the theater and that's when she snagged me and said no don't do that come work on documentaries the work that an organization like oxfam is doing is trying to empower people to own the whole process themselves and to be given support, but not to be given handouts. The first project I did on my own, I went to Bangladesh to direct a short documentary on women's empowerment and community development, which, which also meant you know, uh, men's involvement in the transformation. And, you know, I got informed and so forth and went. And I uh, hired this fantastic Bangladeshi camera person, had um, obviously a a Bangladesh translator. Um, I had a minder, somebody who was sent by the government to watch my every move. He became the sound person. So that was very helpful. Nice. (laughs) And then he would tell me when I couldn't ask certain questions. But there we were. Okay. But you know, what I learned immediately was that I had to understand what was I doing there in this picture, this white guy from America doing a story on uh, rural development for for Bangladeshi women, and uh I became very quickly aware that there was something wrong with the whole picture that. These folks that I was working with were, of course, extremely knowledgeable about their own cultural issues, economic issues, social development issues.
0: Along the route, Michael has created dozens of films, videos, clips, dipped his toes into a great many topics and characters, even a musical bow maker, yum! The community-supported film project we're featuring here has been going on in Afghanistan, Haiti, and the new immigrant refugee communities in the greater Boston area.
1: But what struck me when I was in the midst of filming in the villages is that for the first time, I could not get the access, particularly to the women's work, that I had been able to get even in other very conservative places like Pakistan or Bangladesh, you know, I could negotiate even in those conservative places access. And in Afghanistan, there was absolutely no way I was going to get access. Mm -hmm. And I hit myself in the head literally. And I was like, you stupid idiot. This is the place. This is the place you should be starting your idea of community supported film. This is where you should try doing a training program and try and have afghans make these films with the access and the knowledge that they have and so i went back to the drawing board went back to fundraising and then in 2010 went back and started the first project where we did have we had 10 participants that were selected from probably about a hundred or so yeah about a hundred applicants from four of the main ethnic groups Um, and that was pretty shocking for those folks that they were going to be sitting in a room. Together. In one room, all together. That was just something that in Afghanistan these days, in those days and still these days, Mm -hmm. you know, does not happen a lot. There's, it's a ghettoized society. People live in very different parts of the country, very different parts of cities uh, for different ethnic groups. Um, And things are administered for different ethnic groups. You know, I've, I have basically developed this approach to doing documentary that simplifies the process and tries to get people to a place where they can, in a very short time, understand how to use a camera to visualize a story um, and how to go out and gather scene-based stories that are character-driven. And they did it. In, basically, we had a five-week program three weeks of mentoring and training, two weeks of actual production of theirs, and then post-production on the short films that you may have seen some of. All of them are on csfilm.org's website. Yeah. And, you know, the Afghan collection called The Fruit of Our Labor is 10 short films that those folks made. The training and the filmmaking and the making of of short films are two legs of the stool. But the third leg, very importantly, is the public engagement. And it's it's really fundamental to every project that we commit uh, just as much energy and time to using the films for public conversations. The media sector is still a very colonial sector. It is still very top-down. It is still very oriented towards us knowing better than others how to tell their stories, and still very oriented towards telling our story about what's going on in other people's communities. Mm -hmm. And this is, you know, very, very counterproductive to an American audience actually being informed about what's going on and then what we should do to effectively help.
0: I don't know uh, American people who, who are here, why they uh, don't want immigrants or refugees here. I don't understand, because when I look back to the history of America, there are so many people who are immigrant, Even the white peoples migrated from different countries, they work hard, they got a hope they got help we should uh, continue no matter who whether we are white green black brown all are human and we have the same red blood Michael's team has more recently been working on a project called Look Listen Local.
1: Literally, single shot videos that represented the situation that they were facing, whatever equipment people have or their phone. And, and do they um, edit
0: on, on iMovie? They do not,
1: they don't edit it at all. Basically, yeah. they just try and shoot a shot um sometimes they have to you know do it over and over again until they get it the way they want it but so we had examples of uh street workers who were children um a long shot of their work polishing shoes now of course the evacuation happened so poorly and with so little foresight or management and so little, any responsibility for, from Biden or any of his administration. that. Um,
0: when we caught up with Michael and Anu last August, he was working all night on the phone, talking with embassies, lawyers, diplomats' offices, swirling in paperwork, translators, etc., etc.
1: Evacuations didn't even happen of, you know, U.S. citizens, no matter what. Um, Afghans that were being referred. So we've been working on getting those folks out of the country since then. As documentary filmmakers, we're used to projects um, not working out, to starting a project and then having something stop it in its tracks. Uh, But, you know, we worked very hard in pre-production to try and make sure that doesn't happen.
0: To me, it's a love story of the Haitian woman who's a mechanic.
1: And her, mm. um, oh, I'm glad her, you watched whole that. family.
0: Yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah. And, it uh, is
1: exactly a love story. Yeah.
0: The metal workers. hmm. And um, with
1: the art, with creating the, um, the pin art, basically. Yeah. Pinhole art. Yeah. Pin
0: and, uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> the demise of the American public's ability to constructive decisions about our social and political engagement with ourselves and with the world. misinformation,
0: disinformation, propaganda, war.
1: And um, that is not only due to blatant misinformation. That is frankly due to now 20 years of blurring the line in the world of news and documentary filmmaking, of just constantly blurring the line about what is actuality and, and what is dramatization. It is very hard to understand anymore in our mainstream media, you know, what is constructed and what is unconstructed actuality. The Cold War.
0: We told yeah. here in this country that it was over. Tear mm. down that wall and be mm. like us
1: with the collapse of the Soviet Union did end, but it was taken over by a solo superpower who decided that we knew better than everybody else. And that the most important thing I think that you said there was that we be like us, you know? Now that you have our great leadership in the world, just be like us. And that's not how anybody wants to live, is to be told to be like somebody else. And we just can't get that. I mean, we just spent 20 years in Afghanistan trying to get Afghans in a utterly different culture, in an utterly different religious context, in an utterly different political environment, in an utterly different geopolitical environment, trying to tell them to be like us and trying to spend billions of dollars on the systems for them to be us. And the whole construct from the very get-go was ill-informed, was just a false directive. We needed to empower them to be stronger as them.
0: Case in point. After over 20 years in this Afghanistan thing, I'm utterly baffled by it still, that lobster-in-the-green-zone-sham, mud-made mystery. And that's actually a compliment about the complexity. Woman-hating, needing healing, needing healing, needing healing nation. But then again, we seem to have our own Taliban, don't we? Michael hasn't made these films per se, but he's created the structure for them to happen in the first place.
1: Connected around the joint experience of being a new immigrant and refugee by The second week of meeting, they were having, during lunch break, they were having things like salsa lessons, you know. (laughs) It was really great. But um, they really bonded and it's unusual, frankly. Again, it was an unusual experience because unfortunately, most of our immigrant communities are really isolated from each other. More than one shade. When you see them dancing and they don't want to stop, there's change of behavior there. Okay, there's changes of attitude. There is acceptance also. There is recognition and there is respect.
0: So long, farewell, and thank you for listening to the Department of Homeland Inspiration with Michael Sheridan.
1: We need to move the young generation, whatever you choose to do,
0: but be the best. And we highly recommend checking out the local Voices and Visions at communitysupportedfilm.org as well as sheridanworks.com. Both are in the podcast description. Stay tuned for a future episode with Michael called War is a Racket.